0: Just like gender, right? Like gender creative parenting is a spectrum. It is not some binary, like you're all in or you're all out. I totally see gender creative parenting as like an a la carte buffet, choose your own adventure.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Maria and Welcome to another edition of Mom to Mom. Today, we are talking about gender creative parenting. What is that, you ask? Well, you're about to find out. Dr. Kyle Myers is a sociologist, educator, and author of a book called Raising Them, Our Adventure in Gender-Creative Parenting. Kyle and her partner decided not to attach gender to their child when they were born to help fight gendered stereotypes and socialization at a young age. So, Dr. Kyle will explain what it means to parent in a gender-creative way, how to empower and educate kids around it, how it's played out for her in her real life, and how we can be some more supportive to those around us. So here is my conversation with Dr. Kyle Myers. Good morning. Hello, Maria. I'm, I'm excited to dig into this topic. I think that so many of us have a lot to learn with this. It's a, a new concept for a lot of people and I can't think of anyone better to break it down. So first of all, Kyle, tell us a little bit just about your family to start. Well, I'm Kyle, and I'm married to Brent, who is Australian,
0: and I'm American, and we have a little one who is five years old named Zoomer, and we're currently living in Australia, even though we've spent most of our time in Utah. In the United States, we moved here in November for a year to be near Brent's family. And we do something called gender-creative parenting. When Zoomer was born, we, in 2016, we didn't assign a gender to Zoomer. And we do something called gender-creative parenting. And it's also called gender-open parenting. And it's a philosophy and parenting practice about not assigning a gender to children using gender-neutral pronouns and terms them not telling people what their genitals look like who don't need to know and just really creating a really expansive playful colorful world for kids to be able to play with gender and explore gender and find their own way to their gender identity without the constraints of like the stereotypical binary boy-girl, you know, norms that tend to happen. So
1: when did you decide that this is how your parenting approach was going to be? And was this something that you had to convince your partner to do? Or what was that discussion like?
0: I became like exposed to the idea when I was in college in my early 20s, probably like 23, 24. There was a family in the UK and a family in Canada who were doing this. Like it wasn't called gender creative parenting. It was just, I knew about these two families who were like, we're not gonna assign gender to our kids. We we just want them to like be able to have a, a childhood without stereotypes. And it really resonated with me. And so I kind of tucked it away in my brain of like, if I ever have a kid, I I think that this is something that would, that makes sense for me to do. And then when I met Brent and we started to, you know, have a conversation about do you want kids? You know, do you see yourself raising a family? I brought this up and was like, here's the deal. Like, I cannot see myself raising kids, like in this really traditional way of kind of Plopping them in one of two boxes and then like sending them on the social conveyor belt of life. No offense to anybody who is doing that, you know, like, but it just didn't resonate with me. And so I kind of pitched the idea to him and he was really on board and really lovingly curious about it and had really good questions. And just from the get go, was like, that makes so much sense. Of course, I want my kid to have all of the opportunities. And so we kind of had to work out some of the logistics of what does this look like? How do we talk to our family about it? How do we navigate childcare? Like what words do we use? But nothing was like a, a, a bridge that was too big to be able to, to cross to do it.
1: So when you were making these decisions, like you said, there weren't a whole lot of families to look to. And here you were with a new baby, and you decide to do a TED Talk on gender creative parenting. And I listened to it. And first of all, it is amazing. And I encourage anyone out there, if you're interested in this topic, to to listen to it. It's not very long, but you cut to the chase. And I just kept thinking, here you are, a new parent, embarking on this whole new adventure. And now all of a sudden, you sort of find yourself being like the face of gender creative parenting how was that experience
0: wild and exhausting and so parenthood in and of itself right like your debut into parenthood is just totally exhausting and overwhelming Banana. and you're sleep deprived and you like have to keep this tiny human alive and it's a lot of pressure and so then to add on to that right like doing gender creative parenting and we didn't have to take on the role being this like public educator advocate about it but I felt really like an obligation to do so because I am a sociologist I teach gender and sexuality in university settings so like I already was an educator and I just felt like I really believe in this I really believe in gender creative parenting and I want to help people understand a, why we're doing it, right? To kind of help slash some of the misconceptions and really help people understand why we do it. And then like the second part was like, there's. I know that there's gonna be people out there who are like me and just need a possibility model and just need some language and just need to be able to kind of see how this works on a on a daily basis. It just felt like we should figure out how to like get the word out about it and spread the message because we figured more people would probably also be inspired by the idea and wanna do it.
1: And have you found that to be the case? I know you have a large following on your blog and on social media. So how has the reaction been overall? So we definitely weren't the only people doing it,
0: but we just didn't, I didn't know how to find people, right? Like there wasn't a common language around it. And so when Zoomer was teeny tiny, I was nursing Zoomer in the middle of the night and on Instagram and like searching hashtags, just like, are, are people using this? Are people using this? You know, like feminist parenting, queer parenting, like, where are you? I started finding finding community over the course of a year, and there's actually a Facebook group called Parenting Babies. And, and in my time of finding it, I was introduced to it when Zoomer was about a year old. Zoomer's now five. And in that time, it's grown exponentially. Like there was maybe a hundred people in it when I found it, when Zoomer was a year old. And now there's like 700 people in it. And, and that's not even just the people, all the people who are doing it. I get messages on Instagram and Facebook and emails all the time of, from people saying, I found out about you, I saw your TEDx talk, I read your book, I read your article in Time Magazine, whatever. And they're like, and we're gonna do this. And so it's just really incredible to be a part of a growing movement and to be able to help support other people who wanna do this. And
1: I think it's so important to point out that I don't think you're trying to get rid of gender altogether. You're just trying to break down some of these stereotypes that are debilitating for a lot of people. Totally, for sure. Like we
0: are not trying to eliminate gender by any stretch. We're trying to eliminate gender-based oppression and discrimination and violence. And I think with gender creative parenting, we're able to give children autonomy in discovering their own identity and also help them understand gender and sexuality and bodies like they really are, which is diverse and wonderful. And so I think that gender creative parenting kind of just like adds a pop of color to gender and makes it more self-determined and autonomous right for for kids and really just being able to celebrate kids interests and like what they're gravitating towards instead of putting on them maybe our own expectations of how we want them to be.
1: And gender these days comes into play so early on. In utero, we can find out if you're having a girl or a boy and there are gender reveal parties and there are showers and there are the girl toys and the boy toys and all these things that can happen as early as infancy. How is that sort of stereotyping hindering a child's growth and identity when you start out so itty bitty?
0: Yeah, and I think it's actually getting it's becoming more gendered earlier in a lot of ways. And so I think it's really important to remember that intersex babies are born every single day who may have sex chromosomes or reproductive anatomy that might be different than what is like typically labeled as male or female. And there are non-binary kids and transgender kids. So these gender reveal parties are really genital reveal parties because we don't really know someone's gender until they tell us. But our culture places a lot of expectations and restrictions onto people based on their bodies. And kids and babies and fetuses are no exception to that, even though male babies and female babies are really similar, they're so much more similar than they are different, they're socialized in significantly different ways. And so when kids are only given Half of the clothes, half of the toys, half of the colors, half of the adjectives, it can really hinder their ability to develop well rounded life skills and affect their cognitive and physical development. So I'll just give one example. If a girl is never given like robotics and engineering toys to play with because of the stereotype that like a girl wouldn't like that, then she's never really given the chance to tap into maybe a potential talent that she has for engineering right and like becoming the next great inventor and so childhood gender socialization can have lifelong repercussions so I just think it's really important for grown-ups to critically think about right like what am I doing with with Actually, like prevent them from achieving their full potential as adolescents or adults.
1: It almost feels like there could be a spectrum of gender creative parenting, right? Where you and your partner at a 10, where you're completely letting Zoomer decide and not assigning gender whatsoever. And someone else may be somewhere in the middle where they say, I let my child dress themselves, I let my child choose the toys they want. If my Son wants to paint his fingernails, he can. If my daughter wants to play with robots, it seems like there's a bit of a scale. Totally.
0: Totally. (laughs) Just like gender, right? Like gender creative parenting is a spectrum. It is not some binary, like you're all in or you're all out. I totally see gender creative parenting as like an a la carte buffet, choose your own adventure because people have different values and backgrounds and safety structures, right? Like in relationships. And so There's people who are like me, who didn't assign a gender, and then there are people who did assign a gender. On a day-to-day basis, we probably look really similar in our actions of like letting our kids pick their clothes out and helping them you know, choose toys that aren't just like stereotypical. Also, I think even for people who assigned a gender to their kids, now that we know so much more about gender, like this gender revolution is happening quite quickly and there's a normalization of they, them pronouns, even people who assigned a gender to their kid, can use gender neutral pronouns sometimes or not correct a stranger who misgenders their kid if their child hasn't identified with a gender yet. There's so much that we can do to kind of tackle these gender stereotypes and cisnormativity like assuming like all kids are going to identify with the gender that they were assigned at birth.
1: So speaking of pronouns, you use she
0: and they. I like both. I have really liked they, them pronouns for myself over the last few years, but I am also comfortable in she, her pronouns. I sometimes think about pronouns kind of like clothes and like what you feel cozy in. and So I do like both, but um, I think they, them is, is suiting me more and more as I kind of wander outside of the gender binary myself even more.
1: And it's fluid, as you said, right? It can totally. change. How about yeah. for Zoomer? Zoomer's five now. Yes. Any which way that Zoomer? Yeah, yeah, so
0: around Zoomer's fourth birthday, he declared a love of he, him pronouns, and it was great. So it was kind of like a different kind of gender reveal, right? With like the kid telling us, you know, who he is. And so, yeah, that was right around his fourth birthday. Just over a year ago, we started making the switch, you know, and sometimes I'd slip and use they, them, you know, and quickly go, oh, you know, like he, him, you know, and and we told Zoomer's teachers and friends and our family, right, and just kind of like moved into um, really honoring his his pronouns, like all parents can do if their they're, if they're kids declare a love of different
1: pronouns. Kids can be so tough, you know, yeah. so I'm just wondering how they handle... Curious kids, how have you explained, um, you know, how to handle situations like that?
0: Well, so for the last year and a bit, you know, Zoomer uses he, him pronouns. So if someone on a playground, you know, was to say, you know, are you a boy or a girl? Or, you know, he would say, you know, like, I'm a boy. Um, But he's also so cognizant of the gender spectrum, you know, that when people say like, hey, boys and girls, Zoomer will advocate and say, and non-binary pals and intersex friends, you know, like, which is really sweet. Prior though to Zoomer declaring pronouns, we actually, like our world was quite small, right? Like Zoomer went to preschool and we had done a lot of proactive education with like the staff and the teachers and the other parents there to let them know we were doing gender creative parenting and that we used they, them pronouns for Zoomer. And so people were really kind and on board and like our world was quite small there. And kids just don't really cognitively grasp what a pronoun is, right? Like it's a shortcut that you use in place of somebody's name. And as far as gender goes, maybe it's she, maybe it's him, maybe it's they, maybe it's Z. Um, but kids didn't like, none of the kids really understood what pronouns were for the first couple of years. But they all loved Zoomer so much. And so when Zoomer was little and really Antigender, which is this word of like before gender, a e a n t e gender. People would ask, you know, are you a, are you a boy? Are you a girl? And Zoomer would say, I'm a person, or I'm a kid, or I'm Zoomy. And most people, most kids, were just like that's satisfactory response, like carry on coloring or playing, you know? So (laughs) it actually wasn't that big of a deal or or as much as I think people think, you know, like we were encountering, like if we were in the store and someone was like, she's so cute. You know, when Zoomer was like 10 weeks old, I'd be like, thank you. You know, or if they're like, how old is he? You know, 10 weeks. You know, I wasn't like stopping everybody in the grocery store.
1: How can we be allies? How can we, you know, just that example you gave of, Okay, boys and girls, Uh, a better example would probably be hi friends or something like that that would just be a little bit more inclusive do you have other examples of things that that we can do to just make everyone feel more included
0: I think the first step is really just interrogating our own gender biases right and like our own defaults of kind of relying on the binary of maybe if like a party is happening going okay there's gonna be five girls and five boys so we'll get five pink balloons and five blue balloons like being able to just go no like let's just get like a bunch of different things and let everybody decide instead of trying Trying to kind of always put certain stereotypical things upon kids. Totally using gender inclusive language and gender neutral language, like friends or pals or, you know, little ones, um, is really helpful because it really starts helping trick your brain, you know, into kind of thinking in a more gender neutral way, which is actually really important for tackling gender stereotypes. So using gender neutral language, we have evidence that shows that we are less likely to kind of have like sexist bias if we're using more gender neutral language. So that's, that's a really great place to start. But once you start to see the ridiculousness of how unnecessarily gendered so many things are, right? Like, I think we can call attention to it. We can poke fun at it and we can... Demand that companies do better, right? Girls don't need different toothpaste than boys. That's very silly. And this is just like like a wave that you're trying to get more money, you know? (laughs) Like, it's just so silly. You know, like, of course, kids can wear their siblings' hand me downs, even if they were a different gender. Just like not letting gender and the gender binary have so much power in how we're teaching kids about the world, I think is really important.
1: So you mentioned a gender revolution, and it does feel like there is a bit of an awakening happening right now. And I'm wondering what you attribute that to.
0: It's been pretty incredible to see how far we've come even in the last five years, because when Zoomer was born, like so many people who I talked to just had no idea about like non-binary identity. Like they just hadn't heard of it. They hadn't, they hadn't met anybody. And I had, right? Because I have been in gender studies and I have non-binary friends. I now, you know, like identify as non-binary. But it just wasn't really a thing in 2016 in the mainstream. And that has totally changed. Right. I think what helps is this visibility of people like people coming out as non-binary, whether that is like Jonathan Van Ness or Sam Smith, you know, or Demi Lovato. And then there's also so much more transgender visibility in the media and that just it helps people go oh like then I know somebody right and like with that kind of comes this humanizing and like loving awareness of, of people so I think that that's just made a huge leap and we also just have so much more science and evidence and data, like scientists are asking better questions and actually asking what people's gender identity is. And so we're just kind of on this exponential growth, I think of just people are like they them pronouns are totally normalized. They was the word of the year in 2019, right? We have just so many more institutions recognizing that there is more to sex and gender and bodies than male and female. And I just think that there's just been this really wonderful domino effect, helping people realize that gender has always been more than a binary, but really being able to see it and understand it and not be afraid of it and really embrace it.
1: What would it have been like if Kyle, little Kyle grew up in today's world. I don't know. I mean, I think about that a lot. And
0: because I grew up in the late 80s and the 90s, and I grew up in Mormon culture, which was really binary. And I had a lot of expectations put upon me, you know, as being raised as a girl. And so I think in some ways, gender creative parenting is also an opportunity to kind of like reparent ourselves. And like I have incredible parents, and I had such a fun childhood and i actually think that like growing up in the late 80s and the early 90s was actually like really blissful and didn't seem as hyper gendered as a lot of childhood does today but i think that i would have found i know that i would have realized that i was queer earlier and i would have had the framework and like the language and like some role models to be able to like see myself in in them earlier because it took me a really long time i came out as bisexual when I was 21. It took me until I was 30 to really go, hey, wait a minute, maybe the gender binary, actually, I'd like to opt out of that. And so I think that if I would have been raised in a gender creative way, you know, maybe I would have been able to find some words a little bit of a little bit earlier and some more freedom and not had to do so much unpacking later in life of like, why do I do this? Do I do this because I was socialized to believe that it was important or do I do it because I genuinely love it? And that's the work that I'm doing now for myself. And I think that it's actually pretty liberating.
1: It's amazing how much language plays into all of this. And like you said, you didn't have the words and I think all the time about how language is evolving and the words we're using are evolving. And I think that's why for some people it feels a little clunky Mm. um because we're not quite sure you know because it's always it's fluid
0: totally and I found like the word genderqueer and like just like with pronouns I was like oh genderqueer I like that that feels so cozy for me you know and like it actually feels more comfortable to me than woman does and I just think that that's what's so fun about language is being able to like try things on and like how does it feel like what are the reverberations you know that it's giving you and like does it feel good or not like and I think that that's a really important thing to be able to do and language and seeing like social media has just been so incredible to be able to find community and people you know who um to learn from and and be inspired by it's just I think that's been a huge part of the gender revolution is just community being able to find people you know and talk to them it's been great
1: And it's so nice that growing up in the Mormon church, that you had parents that were, uh, that were allowing you to explore that. And from what I've heard you say, your mom just seems so cool and you wanted a bowl cut perm, (laughs) which, okay. Totally. And and I only wish we had the picture, but everyone will have to go watch the TED talk to see the picture of the bowl (laughs) cut (laughs) perm. Um, but your mom really let you do that, and you know, I just give her so much credit. Given the community that she was in, and the pressures mm-hmm. that are there with the Mormon Church, especially.
0: Absolutely, my my parents, both my mom and my dad, were just really incredible about giving all of their kids a lot of freedom and just so much love. And we never experienced shame from our parents for what we wanted. Right when I was like, I need a bowl cut and I need a perm at the same time, my mom was like okay, like, I want to, I want to make this happen for you, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, in her mind, she was like, oh, you know, oh Lord, what are, what are we going to do? But no, they gave us so much agency in being able to like pick our clothes. And, and I, I never experienced pressure from my mom, you know, to like be into makeup or, you know, our things, you know, like she, she really did give me a lot of freedom to pick. Like, this is here if you want it. And, and, and not, if you don't, I think that My parenting actually probably does reflect a lot of the freedom that I was given and just this really unconditional love from my parents as I was growing up. And even now today, right, I'm almost 35 and I still have so much unconditional love from my parents. They're wonderful.
1: And that's everything. So what you're doing with your family is revolutionary and you've really been a trailblazer. Um, But what is your hope for the way that future generations see gender?
0: I think it's already happening, which is really fantastic. One of my biggest hopes, like, I mean, I would never tell like other parents what to do. Like I, but one of the values that I have, you know, is just, I want my child and every child to grow up in a world and learn about the world and see the world and experience the world in a way that is less sexist and transphobic and homophobic than the one that I grew up in. And I think a lot of grownups want that too. And so I just really am extending that invitation to people of like, we can do this, right? Like so much has happened. We have had so much growth as a society and we have a really long way to go, but committing to this on a daily basis is totally worth it. And I think the kids are benefiting from it, right? Like they're just going to be able to have so many opportunities and feel so affirmed and loved and supported in their identity and expression.
1: Kyle, thank you so much. This was great. I mean, thank you for being patient and breaking all this down. This is new concepts for a lot of people. Um, Please let everyone know where they can find you. I know you've got the blog, you've got your social media. And also I think the TED Talk is just such an interesting listen
0: yeah well um, an easy place to find me is just on instagram i'm at dr kyle myers and like i have like the link in my bio has links to all of that stuff my website my tedx talk where you can get my book and a lot of the things that i've written and stuff so instagram is a good place to find me but i'm pretty easy to find anywhere on the world wide web
1: Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on social at The Hub Today. And if you want to be part of the Mom to Mom community on Facebook, just search Mom to Mom with Maria Sansone. And finally, feel free to binge more episodes wherever you listen to podcasts.